Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach. I'm John. How you doing today? I'm doing well. I've just been doing some some homework for my teaching program I'm in today. What have you been up to? Uh, a lot of stuff. I babysat my nephews last night and this oh. morning, so... Kind of tired, but we're going to persevere. So right before we hopped on, you you sounded like you had a bunch of stuff you wanted to talk about. Well, I said it feels like the world has changed since the last time we talked. And the only example off the top of my head was Twitter <laughs> becoming X, which is very stupid. But then I noticed when I was listening to our audio test, you were like, oh, yeah, like the aliens. And I had totally forgot that like the U.S. government kind of maybe confirmed aliens exist yeah i don't i don't really know anything about that <laughs> i just know it was a thing did you pay attention to it at all i know that some guy swore under oath in front of congress that he had seen a weird aircraft <laughs> with a non-human biological pilot but Ooh it's not like actual evidence was submitted. You know, this guy could be perjuring himself. So yeah. Or he could think that. Right. He could believe it. Yeah. I mean, technically the monkeys that we shot into space in the fifties, yeah. Non-human, whatever pilots. Yeah. Uh, Or, Hmm. you know, someone else would maybe think they're the pilot. Hmm. Well, we're kind of alien experts on this podcast. I would say, you know, we've encountered a lot. So what do you think? I think the universe is so big, there's no possible way we're the only things alive and like conscious in it. But I also think we've, you know, looked at telescopes through every, you know, like everything that's even remotely reachable to us. I don't think there's any life. Yeah. So I think there's something that we'll just never find. Okay. Well, I think you're a pretty smart guy, so if that's what you say. (laughs) Unless Um, we already did find it, you know? Yeah, I think the same. And I'm pretty sure that in all those, like, like, telescopes and things we've explored, it's only, like, a fraction of 1% of, like, the the known universe is, like, what we've been able to even explore. Oh, oh, sure. But it's also, like... There's got to be way more out there, and like you said, you know... But also, I'm imagining in the basement at NASA, there's just a bunch of, like, science nerds who, you know, everything for, like, a hundred... Science nerds. Everything for, like, a hundred light years in any direction. They've already looked at, you know, and it's like... Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll leave that to the science dorks. I mean, it's it's always funny whenever it makes the news that they're like, oh, 3.1 million light years away from us there's a planet that maybe has some of the building blocks for life it's like if that's newsworthy to us then we're not close to finding you know yeah the the place that actually does have life yeah i think you're I, i i don't know i think you're being a little cynical i think that'd be pretty cool if they were like this planet could potentially sustain life what if we're like what if we went and found like a cherry tomato plant up there (laughs) i wonder if it would taste as good as it does here (sighs) yeah probably not how funny would it be if they were exploring instead of like 
closest to furthest, like we would assume. What if they started 300 million light years out, but then by the time they get done, yeah, they're like, oh, um, next solar system over. There's actually an inhabited planet that we just missed. Yeah. Well, hmm. I don't know. You'd think eventually we'll meet some aliens. Yeah. But but I don't know. Do you know who Tom DeLong is? Yes, the Blink-182 guy. Yeah. He, he's saying he's vindicated. For what? Do, what? Why do I keep seeing his name in relation to all this alien stuff? Okay, so let me spill the tea. So, I don't know, like 2014, 2015-ish? Um, I even had a sense it was coming. I was coming. just graduating college. I was, like, listening to and reading interviews from him and people would try to ask him about music and about blink 182 and he's like yeah 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 i don't really keep up with that stuff anymore when, you know when we tour we'll tour but anyways what i'm focused on is this alien thing and like pretty <laughs> soon after that they kicked him out of the band they put out a statement they're like yeah tom's not with us anymore and he's like oh we must have been hacked or something you guys i'm obviously in blink 182 and they were like no he's not we just we're announcing this publicly but we hadn't told him Matt Skiba is in from Alkaline Trio. So he was out of Blink-182 for years and years and years. And he spent that time like starting some foundation that was like dedicated aliens and hiring his own scientists. And that was when he somehow got like Navy aerial footage of a UFO and he released it, and the United States government was like, wait a minute, how does he actually have that? He's not supposed to have that. That's real. What did he have? Have you he, seen what this is? Yeah, it's like like footage from some fighter jet or something, and there's something flying in front of it that's just a weird shape, and it's weaving at insane speeds and like turning impossible directions and stuff. And is this, is there some guy like commentating like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything move like that. I feel like I've seen something like that, but you can't actually see the thing. You like see it on a monitor. The point is it was a real classified video and the former Blink-182 guy released it. And then like when Hillary Clinton's emails got, got released during the 2016 election, some of them were like, from him to like her security advisors. And he's like, okay, when you get into the white house, we need to talk about this alien thing because it's a real and present threat. And what was and she like? <laughs> I, I don't remember, but I just think it's funny that like he was taking this so seriously. And that was the reason he was out of blink. Well, now he's back in blink. They just did their big tour where they were like, Hey guys, Tom's back, pay us, you know, $400 to come see us. And, uh, He's also like getting his name got read at the congressional hearing this week. Oh, really? And he was like on stage at one of the concerts. He's like, I'm vindicated. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like the alien guy. He's the Blink oh, well, 2 alien for guy. Him. Yes. And they good have a song time. famously from like 1999 called Aliens Exist. So, he's they- been about this for a while. Is he about like getting anal probed or anything like that? Does, does, do they sing about that? So he's I just know they're, one of their things is is about an enema. Yeah, enema of the state. That's yeah. that album. Um, yeah. So here's the thing: 
it's hard to tell when he's being serious and when he's kidding because he truly deeply does believe in aliens but he also like they're known as the band that like makes jokes about anything so if he made if he talked about anal probing i wouldn't know does he actually think aliens do that or is he just mixing his humor with what he cares about yeah i want to talk to him so bad like that's one of the celebrities i would love to meet because well maybe we'll get him on the pod i've heard like travis barker telling stories about yeah man whenever we're on tour like sometimes if we have a day off you know people want to see their families or they want to go check out some site or whatever he'll he'll just get stoned and like take some (laughs) of our roadies into the woods to look for bigfoot oh man that is that's that's not a guy i'd ever hang out with zach because i'm a teacher and i couldn't do that kind of stuff right your scientific mind knows bigfoot's not real yes (laughs) yeah um so okay aliens exist blink 182's vindicated and twitter got changed its name huge news i'm still gonna call it twitter that's life altering i might say i know uh i need to delete all these social media apps so badly i'm like the prototypical person that just spends too much time scrolling aimlessly and every day i'm like i just gotta delete them but it's nice to see football stuff like when the football season is on i'm the exact same way and i say (laughs) that i only have them you know to keep up with like football and when bands are coming you know on tour and stuff like that but then i definitely fall into just scrolling and i hate that yeah okay let's delete it we'll show elon musk who's boss yeah (laughs) um you got anything um i i got i just got a couple i know i give you shows to watch every single week so i've got a couple other ones that i've been watching that i was gonna say for the end Okay. Hey, I want I to saw, talk about the Ultimates. Okay, what? Go first. I saw, I saw a pretty good movie this week. Ooh, what is it? It's called The Menu. <laughs> what did you think of it? Pretty stupid, kind of, right? <laughs> but but that doesn't mean it's bad. It right. just means it's like I liked absurd. it. I liked it, but at the same time, I thought it... It seemed to take itself very seriously, but then didn't have as many like points, you know, that, that I would I would have hoped like it it expressed some deeper yeah. truth about yeah. the world or something. And it just kind of yeah. didn't. It was just like, you know, a psychological profile on a fictional crazy person. So for longtime listeners of the pod, they'll know that like 76 episodes ago, I asked Zach to watch this movie and uh you know, I'm sure I would have had more to say about it. <laughs> if you could remember the like, darn like thing. five months ago, yeah. Yeah, I think what you said makes sense. It did take itself kind of seriously, and, and also it didn't really have a point to it. I don't think, like... I think it had some points, like, oh, look how pretentious, you know, food culture has gotten, and oh, look at how, you know, this guy and his whole kitchen staff, like, they clearly fell in love with food and cooking at some point, but... Look at how that's been, you know, tarnished by the world. But it's like, and then I don't they know. Killed, and then they killed that one guy and his assistant because he like acted in an Adam Sandler movie or something like that. Yeah, it. I wanted John more. Leguizamo. That's who it was. That's that guy's name. He's a legend. I just wanted more depth from something that takes itself that seriously. 
But like you said, that doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. It was um, at least refreshing to watch a movie that, you know, clearly was like a big movie, but wasn't, you know, a franchise, wasn't like an action comedy thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Hmm. I don't know. I love Don't... Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Nicholas Holt is great. Yeah. Um. So did that, Did you think any of the meals looked good? I think the only one I remember looking good was like the, the chicken taco. <laughs> like the very first thing that was actual food. Yeah. The, the first thing was like a seaweed platter or something like <laughs> Yeah, I think the point of it is you can tell it's expensive stuff, but no one would actually want to eat that. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You said you're ready to get into the ultimates. I want to get into the ultimates. All right. Let's throw it over to the Better Business Bureau and get into the issues. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at bbb.org. Okay, we're back. And you heard me correctly. We're talking about the ultimates not just spider-man today zach you want to give us some background on this 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 sinister six or ultimates thing or anything or, or you know you any thought fun, we were any, done. any any fun facts you have yeah you thought we were done with giant man but we're not he's back um so the prologue to this first issue says pencils by joe casada he was like the president of marvel for a really long time so the fact that they had him just like go back to being an artist for this tells me maybe they really wanted to push this. And this was like supposed to be the big event for them for that summer, maybe. Okay. I like it. That's pretty cool. So this is made from the president. I don't know if he was the president at that point in time, but I'm sure he was a suit. I'm sure it like his main job was no longer drawing stuff. Okay, so issue one, what a cover. Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, and Spider-Man all standing there, and then Giant Man behind them looking like a villain, like he always does, even though I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be a hero. And the Wasp, teeny, teeny, tiny, so John oh, yep. didn't even and the see wasp. her. And the Wasp. That's... Which is representative of how they minimalize women. Yes, it is. <laughs> um. But at least she does have clothes on, which is different than how she was drawn in the last Ultimates that we saw. Yeah. Actually, you know, I noticed that pretty quickly. I thought I was like, oh, is this going to be Mark Millar again? And it's not. This this is Brian Michael Bendis, written by Brian Michael Bendis, pencils by Joe Casada and Trevor Hairsline, inked by Danny Mickey, colors by Richard Eisenhoff and Dave Stewart, letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And right away, sorry, Zach, were you about to say something? I was just going to say big team, big team, for a big project. I know it is. Yeah. 
and right away it's kind of um paneled how the other ultimates is paneled where it's probably supposed to be a bit more cinematic than widescreen baby yeah yep 16 by 9 so we open on this old man and he wakes up in the hospital and uh he's got kind of messed up hair and we can tell he's been asleep for a while because he immediately asks where he is and FBI agents rush in and explain themselves and they explain that he's in an FBI hospital. Should we know who this person is yet? Have we ever seen him before? We have seen him before, but you'd be forgiven if you didn't recognize him. Okay. Well, I I didn't. (laughs) Because his hair is pretty messed up. Like, clearly this wasn't how he ever intended to look, but he's been in some kind of accident. Yeah. Yeah. He's like mostly bald. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think he should just shave it, you know? The issue isn't that he's bald. It's that he's mostly bald. It's that he's got (laughs) large tuffets of long hair on an otherwise bald head. Yes. And um, so the FBI agents explained that he was found unconscious in the basement of Fisk Towers three weeks ago, and he's been in a coma ever since. Um, Fisk Towers owned by Wilson Fisk, who's the kingpin we know that Spider-Man helped lock up, lock up. And in those past three weeks, that's when Fisk has been officially like confirmed as the New York crime kingpin. So the agents have been waiting for this guy to wake up for weeks to find out what he was doing in Kingpin's basement. And we see the man thinking back and he's kind of thinking and we kind of see his memories and he's in some sort of fight with Spider-Man. And I wrote he has some sort of electric powers. I think he this guy's Electro. But I, I thought he looked more like Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen than anything else. Because his blue lightning. Because of his blue lightning. <laughs> but also because he just like ascends, you know. And he just, and he just sits around. It's like he's ethereal good word thanks so he fries the fbi agents oh yeah while he's thinking back of this happening with spider-man he's kind of like remembering i think that he or he's like trying to summon his powers and um and then he eventually does and he fries the fbi agents and that's when he just like floats up out of the building um and the electric man is floating (laughs) electro is floating and around thinking to himself that he put all of his eggs in the kingpin basket and now he has to start all over. Did we see that? So you said we've seen this guy before. Yeah. You don't remember when Spider-Man took down the kingpin? I do remember when Spider-Man took down the kingpin. I don't remember Electro's role in that. He was one of the lackeys. Spider-Man had to fight him basically to get to the kingpin. Nice. I'm seeing now the panels where you say he looks like Dr. Manhattan, and you're absolutely right. And I'm also thinking this must be the inspiration for how Jamie Foxx's Electro looked in the movies, because this looks like that, and the regular Electro does not look like that. Yeah. So did we see the Spider-Man fight that he's remembering? Yeah. Were there any differences? Can we catch him? Did did you happen to notice any? (laughs) I think it looks about right. So I think okay. he, he like threw him into a broken water pipe and electrocuted Electro with his own electricity. Okay. Okay. We we didn't catch him then. 
And so Electro's floating around. He's thinking to himself, you know, about his mistake with Kingpin. And he's vowing to take revenge on Spider-Man. And then um, we just see him fall back out of the sky or get knocked out of the sky back onto the street in his human form. And Cap, Iron Man, and Black Widow are standing above him and ask about where he illegally obtained his powers. Pretty cool. They look cool. They look scary. Yep, they do. Um, So we change scenes to what appears to be Doc Ock in some sort of like therapy room. Um, But there's like green and black smoke all around him. And he says, and he's kind of talking about how he, you know, at first he hated his metal arms, but now that they're gone, he misses them. And um, but he does seem to be kind of coming to peace with his murderous rampage and taking responsibility for his actions. And then the next interrogation or therapy session we see is that electric guy that we just saw, Electro. Um, and he says he doesn't know anything about the kingpin and he's not saying anything about his powers. And at that point, the room kind of opens up and we see that this is like a big group session with the next person, Flint Marco, who's the Sandman that we just saw get ca- captured, calling all of the other people whiners and saying, do the crime, do the time, and more importantly, do it like a man. And then Norman Osborn goes next and he tells the person running the session that he will do or tell them anything they want if he brings him his boy. Hold up real quick. Did we notice something? Didn't they say in the last issue that Sandman never talks? Yes, yeah. So yeah, now they, he's just they, talking like I all noticed the time. that. I noticed that too. I was kind of like, why did they specifically say he hasn't talked in like three weeks in the last issue if he like immediately opened up by like talking? Yeah, I, that's a good I, setup I for that. his first words to have some significance. Yep. Um, and that is that Brian Michael Bendis was the last one. Yeah, yeah, he wrote that. Yeah. He wrote this. He might have just forgot between it. I don't know. It's a rare yeah. oversight from the king. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yep. And then it is revealed that all of this is happening in a globe-style prison at Shield. And it looks like to me while I'm reading it that it's like Hank Pym kind of running the show until Nick Fury walks in looking like he was just out playing some pickup basketball. And um, Osborne says the great Nick Fury finally shows his face and Fury tells the group that they were very low on his priority list. What do you think? And he's showing that by being dressed like an absolute goober. He's not he's dressed like he's not dressed like a goober. He's dressed like he's playing basketball. He's even holding a United States of America basketball in his arm. This is how funny it is. He's wearing a Captain America tank top when Captain America works for him. Um <laughs> and he's wearing a t-shirt under the tank top. Like it's not even like Oh, I'm gonna get hot and sweaty playing basketball, so I need to wear a tank top so I can air it out. It's he's like wearing a cap jersey. He's wearing a t-shirt, and then over that, he's like, well, I gotta let people know I simp for Cap. Okay, well, you know, Zach, that's how I used to wear my jerseys. It's not even a jersey. It's a tank top. Okay, that's... Okay. Um, I've never seen anyone wear a tank top with a t-shirt underneath it. 
I think I just thought of a rating system for this week's issues. We can do out of Nick Fury buckets. <laughs> Drain it up. That's the other thing. Yeah. I've never seen anyone with an eye patch play basketball. Well, that, I was just thinking depth perception is going to be kind of a, a trouble in right? that sport. So you could have had him playing anything. Chess. I feel like saying Nick Fury was playing chess would show that he's smart, and it wouldn't have to do with you know needing depth perception. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to publicly say that people with one eye shouldn't play basketball. Is that, I'm not saying that's they what shouldn't. you're getting at. No, I'm saying I've never seen it. How often do you see people with eye patches playing chess? <laughs> if they're Nick Fury, I would expect it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what if he wasn't playing basketball and he just dressed up like this to show to just swing to, by just to, <laughs> just to make a point to them that he doesn't care that about them? I don't them. care. That that is probably what happened. That's a power move. That is. Um so Fury tells them all that they're very low on his priorities and that they're all permanent residents of the U.S. government for their illegal genetic mutations. But Fury tells them he is going to rehabilitate each of them and they'll serve their country in their own unique way. And uh, Fury tells them they can either cooperate and in return be rewarded with some comforts or mouth out, mouth off and be left to rot. Or they can try to deactivate their collars and be instantly lobotomized. And and he says he's fine either way. What do you think of them uh, arresting all these citizens just for some genetic mutations? Well, pretty much all of them also did commit crimes. This feels a bit hypocritical. I get it. I get it. But it, I think it also it goes back to what Sharon Carter was saying in the last issue before this, where it's like they legally look at it differently. If you gave yourself a genetic mutation on purpose, than if an accident happened to you or you were born with it. But Captain America is like the most famous genetic experiment ever. Right, but the government did that And to so him. is the Hulk. And so is Giant Man, by the way, who's interviewing them. This is a perfect segue into my point that, Zach, you can see I still have the Mount Rushmore of terrible people, pieces of work behind us. You know, there's the guy interviewing all these villains is the one on our list. Yeah. Osborne's on the list too, but I, you know, I'm not saying it's not hypocritical. I think it's supposed to feel hypocritical. This is still the ultimate. It's still the ultimate universe. I just think it's, you know, it's Bendis understanding the assignment instead yeah. of Mark Millar creating the template of these guys are, you know, they're bad dudes. All of them. The good guys, <laughs> the bad guys, everyone sucks. Okay. So I guess. That brings up another good point because BMB, what did you just say he is? He's the king. Yeah, I was just kind of riffing. No, no, no one calls I, him I know, that. I yeah. know, I know. But okay, so when Mark Millar writes something that we are like, well, he could be making a statement that they're all hypocritical, or he could just be not understanding when it's mark millar we're like he just doesn't know what the hell he's talking about but now it's brian michael bendis and we're like well bmb knows what he's doing out there you know he's purposefully making them hypocrite i i, I think you're right he is but 
I just like to give you grief, I guess. <laughs> From what I know about Mark Millar, I don't think anyone has ever definitively figured out how much of what he does is intentional and how much of it is just his writing style is dark and edgy for the sake of it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. He's written comics that I like before. I'll admit that. But, you know, they're few and far between. <laughs> and most of them are set in like alternate universes like um, like Old Man Logan. You know, I've never read that, but I know that that was like the inspiration for the Logan movie. And I also know that there's a panel in it where like the Hulk rips Wolverine apart or something. Right. Or am I making something up? I don't know. That sounds right. I have some panel and I'm like, I don't recently. like that. The Hulk's like the bad guy in it. Well, he also has like. An the Hulk's incestuous... the bad guy in the comic we're reading now also. So Right. But uh old man logan he's like an incestuous like king who has a family of hulk inbred hulk children and they're all cannibals so like great it sounds very mark millar because it is yeah mark millar doesn't like the hulk very much it seems but then the rest of the story around it somehow manages to be kind of good um okay so so to get back into this one fury you know just told him all that they their options and he says they hope that he hopes they all struggle and get lobotomized but dr pym is the one who's in charge of this project um and i said and that makes sense because he's awful and this project is stupid <laughs> and we then meet with craven who kind of goes next oh i'm sorry no 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 we then meet up with craven who's on a morning type of talk show and he says he has some personal things that going on in his life since the last time he fought spider-man but now he's ready and on monday night he says he is going to hunt spider-man live and defeat him live and that's a pretty power move because he does have to find him and he's like i'm gonna find him on monday it's a big city you know well it's what he did the first time too he just showed up in new york and was like hey i'm gonna hunt down spider-man and kill him live on tv yeah that's okay but this time he's like on monday yes he's giving himself a deadline yeah i also Um, think it's funny that we get to see his uh his pr dude the the guy who follows him around is like craven baby (laughs) (laughs) that's fun that is fun he's still doing his thing and is this where we get confirmation that that one lady might have been his wife He's like, my wife left to me. Okay, he did say something that, that made me think about that, but I didn't write anything down in my notes. So let's see. what It's the lady who might be Wakandan and who never talks. I remember her, but I don't think he ever says any. He just says there are some personal issues, some things going on in my personal life is is what I think it just says. But at some, some point in these issues, does, he yeah. says, I lost my wife or something. Yeah, I, I think he did also, because I seem to remember I seem to remember thinking of that woman also during this during one of these comics. I just think it's know. weird that they like tried to make her look cool and they displayed her prominently in a few panels and then literally never told us anything about yeah. her or used her for the story. Yeah, so 
Craven gets asked on this talk show about the genetic enhancements he's made to himself or rumors around that. And Craven brushes it off. And then uh, he and his team leave the building only to be met again, thought just like Electro by Cap, Black Widow and Thor. And Cap asks if they can have a word. And then they tell him that they have evidence that he tampered with his genetic structure and Craven just starts like hauling it down the street before Hawkeye shoots him with an arrow and takes him down. And Cap tells Craven and his lawyer that not only were they stupid enough to break international law, but then they scheduled an appointment on live TV to show it. And they probably didn't know that this was wrong. I don't... I. <laughs> We're still not at the point. I know in my notes somewhere I wrote like, this seems a bit hypocritical, and we already mentioned that, but, you know, does seem a bit hypocritical. I mean, if I were if I were getting arrested by Captain America for genetic mutations, I would at least be like, Cap, look at yourself, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think the villains maybe do miss an opportunity to say that. At least take the moral high ground for like a second. Yeah, it's not going to do you any good. He's not going to change his ways, but yeah, you can be right for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents take Craven in and put a collar on him, and we see Craven try to mutate into like a wolf or, or a lion or something, and then he gets shocked by the collar, and it returns him to his human self. And S.H.I.E.L.D. drops Craven off into prison with the other four people, and then Osborne asks, why would Nick Fury put all six of us in here and zach there's only five we've only seen five people and doc ock also says that and he says norman there's only five of us and norman osborne turns and winks to the camera and the issue ends he says no there will be <laughs> he, six. Does, he doesn't actually say that yeah so has he know that it's a pretty you know it, it, it's a pretty big one of those moments where it's like no, this is the Sinister Six. The readers know. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's the sixth? Guess we'll actually, find out. Actually, yeah, we will. Because because I, I, I'll tell you what I thought when you're going through this next issue. I thought we maybe met the sixth, and uh, but then it didn't end up being right. We have met the sixth. Okay, I'll tell you about it when we get to the next issue. Okay. Um, what do you want to give this out of Nick Fury drained threes? Oh man, I don't know. I like want to like it, but I just found it kind of boring. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think? What did you think about it? I mean, it's it's a setup <laughs> issue. We didn't even have Spider Man in it at all. Like, I would give it like a five out of ten drained threes which is pretty pretty, that's still a very good percentage in three very good especially for a guy with no depth perception yeah (laughs) that is really impressive um i'll I'll do that too I'll, i'll give it a five i like i want to like the premise of the avengers going around and just like busting up these heroes and throwing them in prison or something you know like Maybe it's maybe it's like a Batman comic or something where he just goes around or like Arkham Asylum, right? He just goes around and is like throwing people back in jail. So, but it's just boring, you know. We just don't see enough of it. Yeah, it's 
It's not that anything was done that like hurts the story moving forward. It's just it hasn't hardly told any of the story. It's setting it up. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, when I originally rated this, I, I gave it a four out of Sinister Six. But I get I'll change it to a six out of ten drain three pointers. Okay. Good percentage. I want them on my team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are now in Ultimate Six, Issue 2, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Trevor Hairsign, inked by Danny Mickey, colored by Dave Sewer, and read read by Chris Rivieopoulos. Uh, <laughs> lettered by Chris Iliopoulos. Uh, so the incarcerated Spidey villains are in a group therapy session led by Hank Pym. Um, the villains are chained up inside a dome with Pym outside the glass and he asks Norman how it makes him feel to see a video of himself in the Green Goblin form. Okay, so this is where the the very first thing I wrote in my notes about this issue, and I'm sorry Zach, I know I've already said it, but why is Pym leading this interrogation? He is he is worse than everyone in there or maybe not worse, but he's a villain and he not only that has illegally done the same thing all these people did so why is he i don't get it i think that's the point i think like he's the worst person on the ultimates you could possibly choose to do this right so when they pick him and he's the worst person then the point is that you know, he shouldn't be. They don't know what on, they're doing. <laughs> he shouldn't be on the outside. He should be yeah. in there with them. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a critique. Yes. And uh, so Norman says nothing and Hank moves on and asks Otto, of the five of you, you and Norman are the only ones with a prior relationship. How does it make you feel to see what your former employer has done to himself? What he's capable of? And before Otto can answer, Electro chimes in and asks Norman if he's one of them mutants. And Hank says, wait your turn, Max. Norman, if you'd like, tell the group exactly what you had done to yourself. And Norman responds, why don't you ask me what you really want, Pim? And Hank plays dumb and pretends he's just trying to help rehabilitate the villains. What does he really want to ask him? Uh, we're about to find out. Norman oh, okay. calls him out and he says, uh, all Pim wants is his Oz formula. So we can tell he has like an ulterior motive for playing psychiatrist when he's not one. Um, Norman thinks it's cause he wants the Oz formula. Pim says, we already have your formulas, Norman. Everything you own was seized the day you were taken into custody. Nick Fury can do whatever he needs to do for the safety of civilian life. And that includes confiscating your illegal genetic. And this sends Norman into a fit of rage and he begins to turn into the goblin and charge Pym. And his collar seems to shock him and also inhibit his powers somewhat. And Pym grows giant and smashes Osborne down with one hand. Okay. Let me, um, I did not understand what was happening in these two pages. And I thought that this was, a. I thought what ended up happening was awesome and it's not what happened, but 
the way I saw this these panels were like Norman's like raging out, but then something happens that I couldn't really tell. Someone's hand throws someone and I couldn't tell what was happening. But then the panel we see is giant man, like humongous giant naked in like the room with them. And it looks to me like he has like a collar on his neck also. And I was like, oh my gosh, giant man is the sixth villain in this. I love this story. Like, cause I thought maybe he was like being tricked himself or something. And then that's not what happened. And I was like, oh, never mind. He's just the doctor interrogating him. But but for for a second, I was like, oh my gosh, is he like the sixth person Norman Osborne was talking about? Like that would be something. That would have been that would have been great. But no, thematically, it's it, you know, the villains are about Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't have any connection yeah. to Hank Pym. But this does look like Hank Pym is like being held held captive, right? He's got his head turned, and so they drew, like, a sharp line for his chin, and I think because it goes all the way around, you thought that was a necklace, or, you know, inhibitor thing. Yeah. Okay. But, good idea, just not what they did. Yep. No, Hank Pym's a good guy. He wouldn't be on the villains team. (laughs) He's a hero. That's what they keep telling us. Six weeks later, Agent Wu and Carter escort a sedated Norman back into the high-security cells with the other four villains. Electro says he doesn't feel comfortable with being in the same room as Norman anymore, and Agent Carter says she doesn't really care. And Otto calls back from his cell for the agents and asks them to tell Pym he's ready to talk. And once he's brought before Henry Pym, Otto says he's willing to cooperate fully. He says, seeing what Norman had done to himself, I had no idea. And that was the same accident that ruined my life. I have to turn this around. I have to do something of value in this world before I die. I have to contribute. I'm a man of science. And Pym tells Otto he'll get back to him. And later, elsewhere in the Triskillian, Nick Fury briefs the Ultimates on Doc Ock. Janet says, I wrote one of my doctorates on Octavius's work. Worship the guy. And Fury points over his shoulder as Hank enters the room and says, speaking of your taste in men. And he explains how Hank has been working with the prisoners and says, I know seeing Henry here since he left the team is a bit jarring. I hope we can all keep things civil and professional and listen to what the man has to say. That sucks. I'm sorry. I just hate that. (laughs) I think it's funny that like from one sentence, he's like, oh, look, here's this sack of crap. You have terrible taste in men. And then he's like, "Okay, but for real, guys, knock it off. We got to We got to hear him out. We got to keep it professional. Yeah, he shouldn't still be on the team. (laughs) Everyone be nice to the wife beater. Why wouldn't they just give this to Banner? Like Banner's still awful, but. But I mean, at I, least I he has has he hasn't like had fights with his team. I mean, he has had fights with his teammates, <laughs> I guess, but but not in like his normal form. I you think know? he's still in that containment thing. Yeah, I think he's a prisoner too. Yeah, as he should be. Um, so Hank starts describing the work he was doing, and Jan asks, "So now you're a psychologist." 
which is a good little reminder to the to us the readers that you know of all of his degrees and all of his scientific accomplishments no he's not a psychologist he's just a guy who's choosing to play one and hank says no his goal is essentially to figure out how to remove their powers so they can be tried and jailed for their crimes but in the meantime we have a unique opportunity to analyze them i thought that was interesting that they're they're just being held there they haven't been tried for their crimes they're just you know shield is well, like we, we saw you <laughs> shield is like we saw you do it get in here what should they do uh, have some kind of trial even if you you keep them you know locked up and it's like just remote at least have there let there be some due process yeah because i think craven could have fought the system i think he could have been like look i didn't actually kill the guy i yeah, just said also, i was going to craven craven is also n- not nearly as villainous as any of these other guys who are like actual villains all craven really did is like i mean he's just like a phony kind of and all they have on electro it, well i guess he did kill the fbi agents never mind yeah and well, I was gonna say Sandman killed those Shield agents. Whatever. If you take away killing basically cops, a lot of these guys are innocent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Fury tells the group that Octavius has offered to help, and he wants to know what they think. And, uh, who is that that asks him, what do you think? Why or why are you asking us? Is that Thor? I think that's Thor. My note says Hulk, but Hulk's not in the scene. Thor asks why he's asking them. And Fury says, because if anything goes wrong, you're the guys who are going to get called in to come clean it up. That's Thought it was an only absurd fair. drawing of Thor. That looks like Jake Gyllenhaal pretending to be one of the Beatles. And when you look at it, you're going to be like, wow, that that does look like Jake Gyllenhaal in like a Ringo costume or something. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I hate that. That looks nothing like Thor. I hate that you made me see that. That's Jake Gyllenhaal (laughs) playing Ringo. Yeah. But I do think it's cool that Nick Fury's like, hey, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this because if it blows up in our faces, you're going to be the ones who have to take this guy down again. Yeah, but I'm also kind of curious. So – what is Nick Nick Fury wants to rehabilitate these or wait, what Fury said he wants to rehabilitate them so they can serve a purpose to their country. So to me, it sounds like Fury wants to do like a suicide squad team. Yeah, I don't know. His methods are unclear. They're saying yeah. many things. Yeah. Because then they're like, hey, Doc Ock wants to help. And they're like, absolutely not. And it's like, I thought this is what you wanted. I don't. Yeah. He wants them to help. But but, but not on their terms. But the ultimates are the parole board. <laughs> They've got to be prisoners helping. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He wants to help as a scientist, not as a dude with mechanical arms. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, just give him a pen and a notepad and let him do some formulas or yeah. something. By no means take him into a room with his arms. Right. Just let him be be a scientist. That would be crazy. That would be. At least S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, is run by some smart people, you know, who would never do something like that. That won't happen. Yeah. Um, 
Captain America asks Fury if any of the imprisoned villains down there were made because of experiments S.H.I.E.L.D. commissioned to try and replicate his own transformation. See, Cap is the only one that gets it, that this is, like, hypocritical. Yeah. Fury tells him yes, and Cap walks out, just as Tony Stark walks in, in his underwear and with a towel around his neck, and asks what he missed. Um... And later, some science dorks show Octavius to his new lab that he'll be working in for S.H.I.E.L.D. And the first thing they show him (laughs) is they have his surgically removed mechanical arms on a table and ask Otto if he minds answering some questions they had about them. And (laughs) I'm not going to read the page. I'm going to try to go off memory here, but I'm pretty sure they walk him in and they're like, Otto, you're going to think this is so cool. You know those arms that were on you? We were able to take them off. They're right here. <laughs> Isn't that cool that you're right next to them again? That's, it's, it's so stupid. Yeah, that's basically what happens. And then uh, That's why you don't give science dorks any power. Yeah. Otto goes on a long rant about how he knows it sounds silly, but he feels like the arms are calling to him. And then with a mental command, the arms shoot out and impale the two lab dorks and two guards, instantly killing them all. So he can control the arms even when it's not connected to him. And down in the cells, Electro asks Craven who the most famous woman he ever slept with was. And Craven starts to say Jennifer something. I don't think we know which Jennifer. Who do you think it is? Let's see. This is 2003. Jennifer Aniston would be huge right now. Jennifer Simpson would be huge right now. Jennifer Simpson. I thought it was Jessica Simpson. Oh, it is Jessica Simpson. Yep. Jennifer, Jennifer Garner Love Hewitt? would be Jennifer, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. Um, oh, what's that other Jennifer that was like big in the 80s? Jennifer Connelly. Who's your favorite Jennifer? I I would assume that he that this is supposed to be a joke that he's talking about Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, she would have been pretty big right then. That's that yeah. would have been when she was married to Brad Pitt, right? Ooh, spicy. Craven the Hunter, homewrecker. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't I wasn't even asking for that reason. I just I thought I was like, oh yeah, that's what she would have been up to right then. Yeah, maybe maybe he he's saying he stole Brad Pitt's girl. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh, speaking of getting your your man or woman stolen by a celebrity, have you heard about this Ariana Grande stuff? I vaguely know that she dated a married man or something. Oh my gosh, Zach. Oh, I, I hate to just put, our, put a stop on our issue talking right here all of a sudden, but yeah, it was, uh, it's... Apparently her and some like co-star of some musical are now together and he had been married to his high school sweetheart and they have kids together. And, but not only that, the wife, the wife is very salty about this as she should be, you know? Sure. Um, But she said the three of them would like hang out all the time, like her, her husband and Ariana and Ariana Grande would always be like, your marriage is so awesome, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, she's like, would I come over and hold the baby and, like, do all this? Oh, man, it's it's pretty, like... That's going to get messy. It sounds pretty 
nefarious would be a word. Yeah. I don't I don't know if she's like purposefully trying to be like conniving or anything, but it definitely she's I don't think she's coming across in a very good light here. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So yeah, so Craven and Electro were talking about Jennifer someone. Yep. And just then uh the power goes out and the lasers across the cells go out. So John, if you were making um a maximum security prison, do you think you would have your only defense for these super villains be laser gates <laughs> that go out when the electricity goes out? Like there's not even a steel gate I guess that, that I guess also that has lasers. <laughs> it's like it's like the power goes out. There's one breaker for the entire Triskelion, and if you just flip that switch, there's absolutely nothing stopping these guys yeah. from walking through the door. And that is what happens. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Most secure facility in the world, unless you flip this switch. Yep. So they figure out that the power's been cut and decide to test out if that includes their callers, which I don't understand why it would, because they're not plugged into the wall. They clearly have their own batteries, which also That's means the, true. the batteries on those can die, which is also a little suspect. But they decide to test it and Electro fries his collar and Norman Maybe they have to maybe they have to plug him in every day. Yeah. Like they have to like sit up against the wall with their collar like plugged in, you know, and they can't move. Yeah, I don't Who know. Who knows? Who knows? Shield works in mysterious and ineffective ways. So Electro fries his collar and Norman goes goblin mode and breaks his. So he can change at will. It seems like he could, but it was he's shocking a little, him. He, he's a liar. He said oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's being interviewed, and he's like, "I see why you gave Craven and Sandman collars, but why'd you give me one? I can't change into the Goblin without a syringe. I'm just a normal person." Yeah, little, no, little liar. That's why he's on the board behind me. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not why. I think we put him on there for being a bad No, he's father. a liar. Okay, because he lied. <laughs> the man has no honor. He's got no, exactly. Um, so they're taking off all their collars, and the door blows apart, and Doc Ock is standing on the other side, and he tells them S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are on the way, and they all have to go. Norman says, you did this? And Doc Ock says, I did. And Norman says, I was wondering what you were up to with all that new age crap that was coming out of your face. And Norman says, it's called telling them what they want to hear. Norman, what you have become, this is truly magnificent. This is so much more than we could have ever hoped for all of our work. And Norman says, we're even for all the past sins. You doing this, we're even. And Doc Ock says, that's the way I see it as well. is, (laughs) Is it kind of funny that, you know... Norman Osborn and Doc Ock, they were probably like trying to do what? Like find a power source or an energy source or like what, no, what was they their were, original goal? They were working for S.H.I.E.L.D. They were trying to do like super soldier stuff. Okay. Doc Ock's just like, could you ever have imagined our work went this well? And I'm like, I doubt that like 
becoming a demon goblin was like the end goal that you guys were trying to work towards i'm sure they imagined themselves still looking human but just being insanely you know powerful yeah i think think they see that as a net win yeah um norman tells the group you gentlemen can do whatever you want i'm going to get my boy and then i'm going to destroy nick fury you're welcome which is nice it's good that you know, earlier in the last issue, he also said he just wants his boy back. And I and I promised my heart fluttered. I was like, good. He misses Harry. He almost cried. Yeah. He says, uh, I'm going to get my boy back and then I'm going to destroy Nick Fury. You're welcome to help. And I guarantee you compensation for your efforts. And Otto asks your boy, where is he? Where are they keeping Harry? And Norman says, my boy's name is Peter. And he blows up the walls of the Triskillion and says, Peter makes six. Wait, so what? Peter Parker is the is the Sinister Six? That, I don't even think I saw that. Norman, man, you missed the point of the this whole... That just hit you in real time on air. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I just saw the explosion on the last page. I didn't even see that little box up in the corner. Yeah, Peter makes six. So, well, well, I don't think I like that. That's just going to be a sinister five. We all know Peter's not going to be <laughs> a bad guy. Well, Norman Osborn seems to think he can compel him. Okay. So what's this? What's uh? What's this one rated? Out of six, of course. Out of sinister six. Yeah. I said four and a half. I, I said a little a little bit better than the last one. Um, but but it still didn't still just didn't catch me. I'm right there with you. I think the ending was pretty hype. I think it's an it's a good twist that he says and Peter makes six and it it hooks you in, you know, to see what comes next. Yeah. But I gotta deduct points for how silly the lab dorks are yeah nick fury is and the ultimates are and that stupid laser door like everything about this super powerful spy agency just feels like it was where's giant man during all this it's like he wants them to escape it would be better if he were the sixth so now you're telling me I thought there was this really cool thing where they made Giant Man actually a prisoner who's like mentally driving himself crazy where he's the sixth. And now you're going to tell me it's actually Spider-Man. I guess that's we'll a, have to see. That's a downgrade for a supervillain group. Look, just because Norman says Peter makes six, we don't know if Peter's going to go along with them or if they'll find him. We got to let the story play out. Okay. I also think that... um these first two issues were too long you know 25 pages for a comic too many pages and they're very text heavy and they're 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 so text heavy um but i i didn't get that the feeling with this third one but i did think the first two i kind of deducted some points for being so text heavy while also being you know two or three pages longer than most comics yeah okay anything else on this one I don't think so. You want to take us into issue three? Issue three, Peter's fighting Goblin on the cover. And um, is this the same creative team? Do we need to credit them again? I think it is the same one. Yep. 
Okay, it looks like, uh, yep, it's the exact same one. Okay, so Fury is at the Triskelion with a couple of other agents, and he, he's, like, watching, like, 20 screens. And all of a sudden, something starts happening on the screens, and Fury freaks out and yells, Alpha 9, repeat, Alpha 9. And we see, pretty cool, I did like this, we see different shots of, like, Cap, Tony, Janet, Thor, and Black Widow all, like, seeing their beepers going red. And, of course, Black Widow's in the shower. Yeah, it's like showing... Because because what else do beautiful women do but, like, be naked in the shower all day? Yeah, it's like showing what everyone's doing, and it all kind of says a little bit about them. And then you get to her, and they can't think of any more personality to give her than, oh, and right at that moment, she was rinsing her hair. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The Avengers... Or the Ultimates get to the prison where all the people, all the villains were being held and it's basically been destroyed. Tony begins to enter and look around for life signs or, or you know, the bad guys. But he only reads three vital signs and Fury says that there were, there were 38 S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who were working there. And Tony is walking through the place past bodies and we see Hank Pym lying on the floor <laughs> and I forgot I thought this, but I'm reading my notes word for word here. It says, Tony walks pa- walks through the building past bodies, and we see Hank Pym lying on the floor. And I promised Zach for a split second. I was like, oh, nice. At least Hank Pym died. And then the very next words were, he's alive, barely. Thank God. <laughs> and I was like, why even show us that? Man. <laughs> We were that what? close. We, we were we, that we, close. There's 38 people on that floor. Three survived, and one of them is him. It's like, we saved two good men that day. Okay, so not only is, thank God, he's alive barely. He's not big. He's not naked. So he just didn't do anything when all of this was happening. I mean, he was he totally caught up? Was he totally But... But how could you be totally caught off guard? Doc Ock went and murdered some people, got his arm, shut the power off, and then everyone escaped. Surely there were a couple seconds where you knew something was going wrong and you'd, like, get really big. I think he wanted all this to happen. The whole team should have been assembled before he did that. What Are we saying the lab was right next door to the power box which was right next door to the prison like yeah he would have had to have moved around yeah, the Triskelion a bit in a building like shield as soon as he killed those science dorks alarm bells should have been going off absolutely and um, like what did he just walk through the halls and no one thought hey that's dr octopus with all of his arms um yeah so everyone's gone from the building okay wait Tell me if I like misread something here. In my notes, I said everyone is gone from the building, not dead, just gone. Is that true, or did I did I like misread something, or I don't know, whatever. No, they're all dead, right? All those I think, people are dead. I think he's saying the prisoners are gone. The prisoners aren't dead; they escaped. Okay, okay. So. And Tony and Nick are watching back the surveillance footage and they see Osborne. Oh, this is funny. So Tony says, Tony says Osborne looks bad and comments that he's made a lot of money since Osborne's downfall. And Natasha's like, so? And Tony's like, nothing. I just thought you guys would want to know. (laughs) (laughs) 
he's got no point to that story. It's, Which, it's it very great much characterization. Like, it kind of reminds me of Trump on 9-11 calling into the news and he's like, yeah, so do you guys realize I now have the tallest building in Southern Manhattan? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, and just then Thor shows up. He's been in Bosnia. And Fury rounds up the team and tells them that they need to go round these guys up. Um, but they can't, unfortunately, track the villains until they use their powers. So Fury has S.H.I.E.L.D. agents working all of their friends and family to try to find out where they're going. But it's equally important that they need to focus on the enemies that they have. You know, that makes sense because they might go after their enemies. And then as Fury's thinking this out loud, he stops mid-thought and he just yells, Parker! And something kind of funny that's been happening throughout the issues that neither one of us has mentioned. um, But Fury keeps asking Thor to, like, do things. And Thor is always just like, no. And it's just never even a discussion or anything. You know, so this is still the Thor that's like, I don't take orders from any of you guys. I'll just do stuff when I feel like doing it. And like, Thor is like an indoor outdoor cat that doesn't think you're its owner. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. He so, comes and goes. He'll sleep on your bed, sleep on your sofa. He'll eat your food, but like, he's not going to listen to you. Yeah. So, so there, there are a couple scenes where Fury's like, Tony, go do this. Cap, do this. Thor, do this. And Thor's like, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, so we we cut to, right, Fury just realized that they're going to go after Parker. And we cut to Peter sitting in class. And the teacher's yelling at them because 18 out of the 20 students for a poetry assignment wrote down rap lyrics instead of creating poetry. And the only two students that did the actual assignment are Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane Watson. Um, and she is like, the teacher specifically is like mad at Peter for cheating. <laughs> She's like, everybody cheated, but the worst is Peter, you cheated also. And you're a good student. And, uh, I don't think, I don't think teachers would actually act like that. I might want to say that, but I wouldn't ever like, Call a kid out out of everyone. I thought it was so funny how she's like, you know how I know? Because I love rap music. Not like Oh yeah. Love. That's right. And not that overproduced crap you kids listen to. I'm down with the old school Wu Tang. Yeah. So they did she, this on the wrong teacher. She's like, I'm not like other teachers. I'm a cool teacher. <laughs> I know the Rizza, the Jizza, the Ghostface Killer. <laughs> um, so the principal walks in during the teacher's tirade and says he needs Peter. And the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent explains to Peter that he's there to get him from for Nick Fury. And Peter asks to see some ID and the agent just shows him a video saying, Parker, get your little tights on and get over here. And... At the Triskelion, Peter is pretty awestruck looking around. The The building's huge. There's a million screens everywhere. And Fury introduces Peter to the team, and they all look at him like he's a kid. And Fury rightly is like, this kid single-handedly beat up all five of those bad guys that we just had. And it seems like the other heroes should have a little more respect or something. Um, I feel but, like they should know who Spider-Man is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they like 
they just strike me as being in their own little world like all the time and just none of them have any idea what's happening outside of like their drama that's probably exactly what's happening (laughs) every single bad guy they're like we'll just wait for these guys to do something and then we'll go catch them and then peter just catches all of them and they're like job well done we got him again guys (laughs) i think it's so funny that like there were those issues in the ultimates where they were just twiddling their thumbs because they had nothing to do until they were like oh hey look there's a chitari alien invasion happening they're just sitting around there's so little to do hulk is intentionally being a villain to like give them something to do he's like i decided today i'm going to cause problems on purpose for team building and meanwhile spider-man is doing everything he can to single-handedly keep new york safe (laughs) because they don't think they're you know they're like we get paid too much to deal with rollerblading thugs robbing people that's yeah and so peter hears that these guys escaped and he immediately starts freaking out for mary jane and aunt may and fury tells them that they have agents watching them already and he says they can bring here's another thing that fury doesn't make any sense he's like we can bring aunt may right now if you want you know obviously you'll You'll probably have to tell her you're Spider-Man, but it's no problem at all. If you want to bring her here so she's safe, we will bring her here. And Peter's like, no, I I don't want to do that, but I want to bring Mary Jane here. And Fury's like, absolutely not out of the question. Like, you're here. I, I don't know. He just makes no sense. He's like, he starts yelling at him. Do, do, do you understand what I'm getting at, Zach? It does seem weird, but I'm trying to think of it like with any kind of how does this make sense i'm trying to figure them out it probably would be harder for them to convince mary jane's parents because she's 15 she's a minor a government agents can't just show up and bring her in for vague reasons but they could tell aunt may hey do you want to come with us voluntarily we have your nephew and he has something to say well then they should have just said that that would have been easier for fury to be like we can bring her in also, but we'll have to explain everything to her parents. She's a 15-year-old girl. We can't just go kidnap her. You know, that's a better explanation than just all of a sudden turning on a dime. And, you know, he, he like, ends up snapping at Peter and, like, yelling at him. He's like, you're asking for too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because P- Peter's like, Mary Jane was thrown off the bridge by Osborne. I have to like talk to her. And that's when Fury snaps at Peter that he lost 35 soldiers today. And he's still trying to bend over backwards for Peter, but Peter can go fend for himself if he wants, um, which is, which is just absurd. So Peter asks what he thinks these guys are going to do. And Fury says, we're going to find out soon enough. And then we cut to a room in the white house where a man takes a phone call from Osborne And we don't get to see what was said, but the man walks into the Oval Office with a folder and says, Mr. President, we have a serious situation with Nick Fury. And the issue ends. Pretty interesting. Ooh, spooky. Spooky stuff. This is like secret invasion that just aired. The president doesn't know if he should trust Nick Fury or not. I don't know, man. Based off the reviews, maybe we shouldn't sell that to people. 
It was pretty bad. It was a pretty. You've bad been trying to get me to watch it, and I just keep seeing but, Twitter but, call it. But I have shit. never. But I've never said that it's like really good or anything. I just try to get you to watch it because I say it's fun watching Nick Fury run around and be Nick Fury. Dude, that shot of um the Game of Thrones lady, her arm changing, that is the worst CGI I have seen this side of the two thousands. Dude, it's uh, it it was. I didn't think the CGI was that bad in all of it. I just thought it was stupid that they're all just changing into these. They're every single thing these days is just so people can look at the TV and be like, oh, my gosh, that was, you know, oh, my gosh, she she got Drax's arm and now she's Groot's arm. Oh, and now she's looks like Captain Marvel. And it, it's just absurd. You know, it's. The only good thing, I shouldn't say that, but a good thing about She-Hulk was, at least in the finale, they were like, the finale of She-Hulk started turning into some like big fight, and, and they were like, whoa, 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 this is so stupid. This is how all of these shows end. In the last episode, there's some big CGI fight, and, you know, they like break the fourth wall. And then in this one, almost like for comedic effect not only do they fight in a big cgi fight in the last issue like they always do but they like turn into the hulk so they look like the hulk it's just it's like they just sorry zach sorry to go off on a tangent on us here but but it was pretty silly you know i i didn't like it very much but it is fun watching nick fury nick fury around (laughs) yeah samuel jackson's just a treat God willing, someday he'll get to Nick Fury around in a project that actually matters is and is good in its own right. Yeah, and you know, Don Cheadle's also such a treat, and he was just terrible and just terribly used in this entire series. Dude, um, I loved him in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one one thing, yeah, that's an It's Always Sunny joke right he's not don Cheadle's not actually in that that's the guy who plays tiger woods and donovan is now also right yeah um but yeah he's great and it and it's not good why did we start talking about that again oh because you Nick said Fury, this reminded you of yeah him. yeah um so what do you think of this one i think some really smart guy decided to group these three issues together for our show because it's like they're all setting up they're all setting up the premise of like what the rest of the series is going to be. If it's, yep. a, you know, it's a seven issue series, but really like the next four issues are going to be the ones that matter because this was all just yeah setting the stage. Yeah. Well, I've been waiting to watch Spider-Man interact with all these guys for a while. Um, I know you kept asking me like, so when are these guys going to meet Spider-Man? Yeah. And I think it does help that we've read the Ultimates and now we're seeing these guys interact and we understand like, here's oh, that, you know, who's a piece of crap and who's not. Okay, exactly. That's that's like what I was about to say. I hope that Spider-Man, I hope that this is not like a great team up where they all love each other. I hope at the end of this, Spider-Man has a good relationship with Captain America a pretty good relationship with Iron Man because Tony Stark's pretty cool in, in these Ultimate series. But I hope he does not have a good... I hope he like actively doesn't like Hank Pym or Bruce Banner 
Um, are there other people? I mean, I guess the the other ones are fine. Janet and Black Widow are cool. Clint's in the book somewhere. <laughs> uh, Quicksilver's but, probably running around. Yeah, you just he's can't making see him. out with his sister. So we'll we'll see. But I but I hope Peter's not like the Ultimates are the coolest guys in the world. I want to grow up to be just like him one day. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I truly don't know. Like, I'm not just saying that. I read these three issues and nothing else. I haven't read this series before. Next two episodes, you and I are going to be equally in the dark. Okay. Nice. Oh, you never read it. this before? No. So this is an actual first read. It is. Well, th- this episode was. I read ahead yeah. for these three issues and then I stopped. So what are we rank, ranking this one? By the way, I, I don't like how Peter's drawn in this. Yeah. He, uh, I forgot to say that, but. Yeah, he doesn't look like himself. No. It's it's hard when you've read so many issues by the same creative team and then something switches up because yeah. it feels like something's off. Um, Out of, we already did the Sinister Six. Out of 38, good men lost. <laughs> Well, they only lost 35 good men. Oh, that's right. There were 38 on that floor. There were 38, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so out of of 35... Yeah. Yeah. But that'd still be out of 35 good men, though. That's true. He wouldn't wouldn't affect that scale. Um, Okay, I I will give this one... um, Let's see. What's two thirds of thirty five? Is that like twenty? You're the math guy. Or something. I'll, I'll give it a twenty four out of thirty five. Okay, I think I'm gonna do the exact same thing. This was yeah. It was a faster read than the other two. Yes, it was. Yep, this was my favorite out of the, out of the three. Yeah, and hopefully now we can actually get into the you know the meat of the story. Yes. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah, who are these guys fighting? Are they like aliens showing up or anything? And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's the Sinister Six. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's on the title. Yeah. Um, well, I'd be pretty annoyed if I were the Avengers. I just wrap, I just arrested all these guys and Hank Pym lets them escape two days later. Pretty stupid. Well, really, I blame the science nerds. I don't. You can't expect science nerds to know what they're doing and not science stuff. You know, like I said, they they invited him in and they were like, Otto, we've got a surprise for you. It's your arms. You know, (laughs) Hank Pym is the superhero here. He's got to know better. They felt like the minions bringing Gru like a birthday cake or something. Like They were just so clueless and (laughs) dumb. Yeah, and like trusting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, it, we're having fun with it. Thor's Thor's pretty funny in this. He doesn't have a lot of lines, but you know, he's like there giving chuckles. We didn't mention it, but at one point when they were arresting Craven, they were like, "Oh crap, we got to get out of here." That's Freddie Prince Jr. over there. Oh yeah, because the joke right. was that him and Jan had been on. A date. The, the, yeah 
or what? Well, no, Thor is not. But Thor is not even Bet- with them. Betty Ross was on the date with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so what are we doing next week? Do we have the next two issues next week, or, yep. or are we going into okay issues four and five? Four and five, Ultimate Six. Okay, so do we have anything else on Spider Man? Should I get into my new uh, show that I watched this week that you have to watch? Yeah, what are you watching? Okay, I already watched it, actually. So it's called Good Omens. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, Yeah, actually. Um, Shyla and Alyssa watched the first season of it. Yeah, so the first season came out a couple years ago, and it was just really good. And then the second season, I didn't even know, but... Like two days ago, I just randomly saw that it was like available on Amazon Prime. So, so I burned through that mostly today, and um, pretty good, pretty good show. It's it's sad I already ran out of new episodes to watch. Man, you you burned through that fast. I I put in work when I've got a show to watch. Nice. Um, I have another comic related thing. This has been like my show my movie of the week i just keep coming back to how freaking good the hellfire gala was this year for x-men it blew my mind it was my favorite x-men issue i've read probably since house of x powers of 10 which doesn't mean anything to you john but it was like really good it's like the definitive x-men story of the last 30 years um nice and it came out like four or five years ago and kind of changed everything. And I feel like this is the best issue since that came out. And I've been seeing a lot of belly aching on Twitter where people are like, Oh, it's just another mutant genocide. But I don't think that's what happened. I think, I think everyone got away. I think the gates took them to places unknown. And I am real excited for where this story is going to (laughs) go. And I wish Me too. I, I can't wait to hear about it. I don't even know. It's like you're speaking another language. I know. I I know you don't understand <laughs> it, but like I've just been cheesing at random points this week, just thinking about like where X Men is headed because I've been so worried for so long that Fall of X would mean the end of the Krakoan era, and I now I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're just in for a really good story. Nice. Well, I'm happy for all the X Men fans. Yeah, I'm saying this to, uh, you know, because I know there are comic book people that listen to our podcast. Yeah, that's I figured that's why I didn't stop you. I was like, I'm sure I'm sure there are people listening that are also reading this if they're listening to a Spider-Man podcast. (laughs) Thank you, John, for for being supportive, even though I'm speaking gibberish. Of course, that's how that's how, you know, it feels if I had tried to explain to you good omens, which are you going to watch it? maybe i mean i caught bits and pieces of the first season yeah and it's got david tennant it does and season two has john ham in it a lot oh okay along with it's kind of funny it's a british show um and all of these big british shows like sherlock and and doctor who and good omens and that inside number nine show that i watch they all sort of are made by similar people or in like friend groups so when i'm watching things it's like i know like the british tv extended universe and i'm like oh there's that guy you know oh i've seen her in all these different shows it's it's you know 
It's pretty well, dorky. <laughs> were you a Hulakian? I guess so. Do you know what that was? Do you remember that term? No, but I watched both of those shows. So Yeah. Well, there were also super Hulakians back in like Tumblr in like 2012 or whatever. It was like there were so many crossover fans for Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Sherlock. Oh. They had like a term for a united fandom for those unrelated shows. I I guess I was. I yeah. guess I was a Hulakian. I was not one, but I dated one. Uh, were you a super Lockean? I do like Supernatural. Um, I saw, I mean, I saw Doctor Who. I don't know that I could say I was like a fan, but I saw the Matt Smith seasons for sure. Nice. Well, Zach, you got any other interesting things you want to talk about this week? I don't think so, man. I don't think we're going to make that two-hour mark. Me, me neither. Sorry to I am become death. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, well, thank you, everyone, for listening and, and leaving us a comment or a review or a like or anything like that. And, and thank you to Ian Hickey for the music, Alyssa Seaman for the artwork. Go check them out. You can find us, the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, other places you listen to podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at First Read Podcast. Send us an email, firstreadspidey at gmail.com, or find us on YouTube at Ultimate Spider Man Podcast. See you next week for Ultimate Six, issues four and five. Mm-hmm.